so much for your faithful support. Quick moment to tell you, if you have not gone through Harbor Track 101 and 201, I, we don't have it today, but next week we will have it again. I want to urge you to get through Harbor Track 101 and 201 and get into a life group. That is how you do life together. Let me just say this. If you stay isolated and you don't get involved in a group or a serving team uh, or, or some connections, you will fall by the wayside. It's not a matter of if, it's just when. So, enough of that. Uh, God bless you, and let's dive right in. Last week, if you were not here, uh, one of probably the most powerful messages I preached this year was The Cake Will Rise. It was a crazy, stupid title. I didn't even like it when God gave it to me. I didn't even like the message I had to build, to be honest with you. It was, it, this is supposed to be your verse. I mean, kind of like we built it on the idea that you would sort of preach kind of what your favorite things are, but the Lord don't always allow us to do what our favorite things are. So last week we talked about the cake will rise, and we dealt with 11 of the Pharisees, the 11 of Herod, and the 11 of the world. You want to check that out, you can go to YouTube and type in The Harbor Worship Center, and when you do, you'll see our logo. Click on that, and you can subscribe to it. But today, I want to talk with you from a verse that Jesus uh, told his disciples, and this was in the last hours of his life. He's coming down to the end right here, and it actually started, and I don't, I don't, I'm not going to read this, I'm just going to go back and bring you up to speed. In John 13, he started talking about leaving. He started talking about the fact that he had to go and that it was expedient that he goes because if he don't go, he can't send us the comforter, the Holy Spirit, and um, that he needs to tell us a lot of things, but we can't, we can't handle those things in our own uh, strength, but we'll be able to handle it after the Spirit fills us. And so he begins to, to go down the road and the discourse of preparing the stage for his exodus. Now, the disciples never wanted to hear the fact that he was going, but nonetheless, he said, I have to go. And so he's trying to prepare the way. And what I want you to understand is Jesus' farewell was only a temporary farewell because he would not be gone long the first time. Only three days. I mean, we would, I mean we're, only, we're just starting to mourn pretty good, you know, about three days. And, um, but, but, he was dead and in the tomb, and then three days he rose again, and then he was here for a period of time, and, and then he went away. And he's been gone a long time, and you say, well, but let me say this, we're going to be a long time gone. Are y'all with me? And he sent us this consolation, said, don't let your heart be troubled. He said, um, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there's many, many mansions. You know, and I, I'm going to go away and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Now, do y'all believe Jesus or do you think he was lying? I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. Huh? And where I'm going, you know, and the way, you know. And so I will tell you something. In the meantime, we live in this world that hates us. So today, the title of this message is, If the World Hates Us. If the world hates you. And let me just amend it and say, when the world hates you, because it's not a matter of if, 
is just win. And I want to lay out some things uh, uh, about, um, uh, about this, but let me, let me say something real quick a moment ago. I, I was thinking about something that hit me. A second ago, Brother, John, or Brother Sean said something about his favorite verse, and I, I just now mixed up my daddy's name and his name, John and Sean. But I had a thought while you was giving your favorite verse, Jesus wept. And you said, I got in some trouble, and I said, Jesus wept, Jesus wept, Jesus wept. And I got thinking about my dad. And he was saying, you're about to be just like him. <laughs> right? Because some of the things I pulled, I was going to weep too and just, just know that you're going to be like the Lord. And, and, and I say that to say this, in this world, you are going to have trouble. That's what the Bible says. Jesus said, in this world, there will be tribulation. So the person that told you once you got saved, everything's hunky-dory, that's false doctrine. And they told you once you got saved, you got right with God, your Cadillac was coming and your bank account was going to be fat and overflowing and you're never going to have no worry, no problem. That's a lie. So, so I want you to understand that there will be affliction and there will be trouble, but hey, take heart. Jesus is with you. He is with you. And so the world may hate you. Let me just go ahead and cut to the chase. The world is going to hate you. The world does hate us. The world don't understand what we stand for. I want to get into some, some things here in just a moment. But here's what I want you to know. The world is going to hate you, but I don't want you to take it personally. When you start taking things personally, it really messes you up. Are you hearing me? When you take things, now I know sometimes that's like telling a football coach, don't take the loss personal. Well, you know, that's a tough one to swallow. You know, people say sometimes, well, let me tell you something about your church. But first of all, it's not my church. It's his church. And lots of times I do take it personal if you have something to say. <laughs> so think about that. And it's okay. I love dialogue, good and bad. But, but, but let me say this. Don't take it personal if the world hates you because that's just what they do. They're going to hate you, but it's not about you. Matter of fact, you ought to get concerned if the world just really loves on you. Because the world hates us not because of us, but because of who we represent. You know what the Bible says? He said, I have chosen you a royal generation, a, a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. Huh? He said, I've called you out from among the world, out of darkness, into this wonderful light. I have done this, the Lord says, and that is why the world hates us, because we sort of go against the grain. So, so let me say this. What is it that Christ wanted you and I to keep in mind in the light of the fact that the world hates us? Well, let me read for you, if I may. Uh, I want to start in verse number 18. And he says this of John 15 and 18. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. He says, it, it hated me first. So, so listen, you're not getting anything new. He said, they hated me too. And then 19, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But I told you, he said, we're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a peculiar people. He has called us out of this world. He has saved us out of this world. He said, and, and if you belong to it, they would love on you, but you're no longer part of it. I chose you to come out of the world. So that's why you're being hated. 
Amen? I chose you to come out of the world. He says, the verse 20, do you remember what I told you? He says, do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than his master. And since they persecuted me, they are naturally going to persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. So what I want to say is this. The world hated God before they hated you. They hate you because we've accepted his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lives in us and represents the Father. Amen? Well, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Um, he says, so the world is at odds with God. Amen? They are. The world would love you if you belong to it, but you don't belong to it. And a slave is not greater than his master. And so naturally, they're going to persecute you. He says, verse 21, they will do all of this because of me. Why? Because they have rejected the one who sent me. He said, so it's really, it's not about you. And Jesus said, it's really not about me, but it's the one who sent me to you. The one that sent me to give you forgiveness, to take the stripes on my back, to take all of this, it's about he who, you know, he knew, or my, Jesus knew no sin that he might redeem those who are sinful. He said, and the world can't stand it. The world hates it because God has sent me and you listened. You know what he said in John 1 and 1? He said, I came unto my own and my own received me not. You know why? He, he said, I come to my own. He's talking about the Jews. I came to the Jews and Jews did not receive me. I was in the world and the world was made by me, Jesus said, and the world knew me not. Why? He said, because he was here on a mission from his father. The world has sinned, and Satan was their Lord, if you will. He said, but I have come from God, and therefore they rejected me. And hey, thank God, because he turned to the Gentiles. Amen? Well, give him praise. <laughs> he said, but they'll do all this because they've rejected me. They would not be guilty if I had not... Um, come and spoken to them, but they have no excuse now. Why? He said, because I have come and I've spoken to them. You know what the Bible says? Unless we know the truth, then we're not accountable. Paul said, I had not known what it was to covet if the law had not said, thou shalt not covet. That's why the writer would say, to him who knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. <clears throat> so, but the world hates you. The world is going to hate you. But I want you to understand this, that God knows that the world hates you. And that it is not about you, it is about him. And, and, and so take heart when, when you feel like you're being oppressed by the world. And listen, they're not going to snuggle up to you. But here's the thing, and here's the problem with we Christians. God sent us, after we got saved, Where? into the world because jesus looked and said don't tell me that it's four months and then harvest time he said i tell you the harvest is already white and it is ready right now to be reaped but I, here's the problem the world hates us and the devil uses that so the devil tells you as christians well the world hates you i mean so you just hate them back no he don't want us to hate them back here's the thing we got saved now listen you say, well, listen, we're all good because we got saved and we're Christians. 
It's one thing for the world to hate a Christian. It's quite something else for a Christian to hate a Christian. Matter of fact, it's an impossibility. Uh, you know, it, it's a contradiction in terms. A Christian cannot hate a Christian and be a Christian. So it's one thing, for, I expect the world to hate me, but I don't expect my brothers and sisters who call themselves saved to hate me. And so if you have an issue with someone who calls themselves a Christian, there is a real issue. But you've got to work that out among yourselves. Somebody's either got to return to the altar uh, or take down the sign, amen, that says I'm a Christian. But here's the deal. So, so the world's going to hate you. Please know this. They hated him first. But here, here's what I want you to do when the world hates you. Y'all ready for this? I, number one, I don't want you to be surprised. There, there are people that saved, and they trip me out, man, because they, they just flip out when the world treats them horrible. Can you believe they done me that way? Well, can you believe how they done an innocent man named Jesus 2,000 years ago? Can you believe they said lies about him? Can you believe they told ter terrible things about him? Can you believe they spit in his face? Can you believe they plucked the hair from his head and his, his beard? Could you believe they beat him with a cat of nine tails with 39 lashes? Could you believe they platted a crown of thorns on his head? Could you believe they nailed him to a cross? Never done nothing wrong. The world hated him with all kind of hatred. And here's what Jesus taught us to do when the world hates us. Don't be surprised, number one. Don't get on your high horse because the world hates you. It just means you like Jesus. They hated him too. So you ought to rejoice on your lunch break tomorrow when them people come and they just absolutely hate you. And you say, well, praise God, I'm in good company. They hated Jesus. And man, one of them smacked you in the face. Bah! And you praise God, they hit Jesus. I know some of y'all saying, no, Pastor, that ain't going to work like that. Matter of fact, I, you might have to come down and bail me. <laughs> I, I got you. I told my son one time, Andrew, I said, listen, the Bible's a turn the other cheek. He said, but I ain't got but two. <laughs> and so anyway, what I'm saying, so, so here's the thing. When the world hates you, number one, do not be surprised. Secondly, don't hate them because they hated you. That is the way of the world. The way of the world says, if you hit me, I'll hit you back. The way of the world says, if you strike, I'll strike back. The way of the world says, render railing for railing. But Jesus said, do not render railing for railing or accusation for accusation. Let me say something. If you are a child of God, you don't even have to defend yourself. Jesus said, I am your defense. So, but he, you know it's not going to be that easy. i got to take this a step further. They persecuted Jesus so what did the world's hatred fulfill? The Bible said in John 15 and 25 that they hated him without a cause. In, in, in 25, they hated him without a cause. Notice what, it's backed up in Psalm 35, 19. Do not let those who, wrongfully, uh, who are wrongfully my enemies rejoice over me, nor let those who hate me without a cause wink maliciously. Psalm 69 and 4, those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. Those who would destroy me are powerful, being wrongfully my enemies. What did I steal? He said, what I did not steal, I have to restore. So here's the psalmist saying, I, I've been lied on. I didn't steal, but I'm made to restore what I didn't even take. The world hates me. And, and what he's trying to tell us is when the world hates us, love them. Let me go a step further. Now, now I know this is backwards. 
It is backwards, but I want you to understand everything in the kingdom works opposite of the way mankind thinks. It does. Jesus said, give, and it shall be given unto you. Not just given unto you, but in good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. That don't make sense. That Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things shall be added unto you. What were these things? What about the rent, Lord? Matthew 6, you can find it. What about my school clothes, Lord? Well, what about my new dress? Well, what about this? What, where are we going to eat tomorrow? What we gonna, how, how are we, we going to make it through the winter? On and on and on. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and put God first, and God will take care of all these things that the Pharisees worry about. So, so it, it's amazing. It works different in the kingdom of God. So he says, when they rail on you, don't rail on them. This right here fulfills the love of Christ. And it shows the world that your heart is truly with him. And it shows the world that your trust is not in your riches, but your trust is in the Lord. He said, consider the sparrow. They don't plant nor sow. They don't gather into barns. But God takes care of them. Consider the lilies of the field. They don't toil. They don't spin. They don't plow. But they are beautiful. And even Solomon in his glory is not arrayed like one of them. There's something about the trust of the Lord. So listen, when the world hates you, and they are, Listen, I need you to do this. Do not be surprised. Do not be surprised. And secondly, love them anyway. How do you do that, Pastor? I just don't know. Well, a Jewish fellow, 33 years old, who had done nothing wrong. Caiaphas said, I can't find anything wrong with him. Herod said, I find no fault in him. Pilate said, I wash my hands of this innocent man. I, I've not found anything. Three of the ruling officials in that day said, I cannot find a thing. I have thoroughly examined him. But I'll turn him over to you. And the world hated him. I want to tell you something. Listen, you don't have to get even. I want you to understand, and here's what the world, the uninformed world, the uneducated world is going to say. It's all karma, baby. You do something, it's going to come. It ain't nothing to do with karma. We as Christians don't believe in karma. But let me show you how the God of heaven works. He keeps great notes. If you are serving him in the beauty of holiness, I'm telling you, God keeps meticulous notes. And when someone wrongs you, you just mark my word. You watch what happens in their lives. God tallies it up. Let me give you an example. At the foot of the cross, or excuse me, at the, at the praetorium of Pilate, the Jews cried. You know, crucify him! Crucify him! And Pilate said, why? What hath he? Crucify him! Crucify him! He took a basin of water and washed his hands and said, I am innocent of his blood. The people cried back, the world cried and said, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. And Hitler killed six million Jews. You hear how quiet it is? God keeps meticulous notes. 
And you do, it ain't karma, baby, it is you reap what you sow. You can take that to the bank. Someone said, well, oh, pastor, I don't, I don't know about this thing. And when I got saved, God took it all away. You're sin. Let me give you an example. I, I use this in the first service. I'll use it now. Let's say that I lose my mind and decide to go down and rob the bank, and I am not going to do that. I just, it's illustrative purposes only. But if I were to lose it and decide to go down and rob the bank and I get in there, now, first of all, they'd be able to find me because I would do like the scripture, man, I would get a good measure, press down, shake it together. It would be running over and you could track me by finding the hundreds. But, but anyway, let's just say that I went down there and I got in and I got the goods and I got it all and I got it all tied up tight and I'm heading out. And about the time I get on the curb, I trip and break my leg. And because I broke my leg, I can't get to my getaway car, and the guy just peels out, and he's gone. I broke my leg. And so the PD shows up, and they take me into custody. And they take all my loot that I just got. They got all that stuff. I have sinned. Are you, are you with me? And so when I get to Camden, you know, and I'm waiting my trial... I really find Jesus. I'm not talking about just jailhouse Jesus. I really get a hold of Jesus, and he really genuinely saves me, and I'm truly sorry that I've done this, and I call the bank, and I write letters, and I do all that, and I ain't trying to just get out of jail because I know. It, it, I mean, you can't rectify something like that. So I get 10 years, you see. What I'm saying is my sin went away the moment I asked God to forgive me. He no longer held me as a bank robber. He no longer said I was uh, guilty of anything anymore. God has expunged the record. My sin is cast into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west, as far as God's concerned. However, the Superior Court of Camden County feels differently. Hello, and I'm incarcerated. I'm probably not your pastor no more, and Sean comes to see me every you know, month and... Maybe Wes. Pastor, how you doing? I'm, well, he might even call me pastor no more. But, but nonetheless, what I'm saying is I'm doing time because of a crime that I've done. And even though God forgave me, I still got 10 years to do, and I got a broke leg. You follow me? So, so you're going to reap what you sow even though you get saved. Let me just say this. You run out and charge up five credit cards, man, 10000 on each one of them, and then you come to the altar and you get saved. You still owe $50,000. Are y'all with me? And we ain't taking up no special offering for that. I'm just telling you. But <clears throat> so, listen, when the world hates you, don't be surprised, and you got to love them anyway. Here's, i got to tie this up right here is this. What you and I are called to do, what you and I are called to do once we got saved, you know what Paul said? That we are ambassadors of Christ. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador speaks on the president's behalf. An ambassador speaks on the nation's behalf. And Jesus said, you know what I've done for you? I've saved you by my marvelous grace. I took you and I cleaned you up from all that junk that you got involved in. And we've all been in involved in some junk. Some of y'all still involved in some junk. 
You with me? And Jesus said, I stand ready right now, and I send my spirit to convict you, to show you. I've had people say, man, I don't know what it is. I come in that sanctuary, but I feel something. That's called the Holy Spirit. That's called God dealing with you. And when God, you see, you can't even get saved unless the Spirit of God draws you. And then you place your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. You ask him to come into your heart, and he does that, and he turns to the Father and says, I have justified him or her. That don't mean all the things you've done has gone away in the eyes of the world, but in the eyes of God, you're good. So understand this, the world hates you. Jesus hadn't done nothing wrong, and yet they crucified him. Here is a Jewish man, innocent, the son of God, looking up into the eyes of a Roman centurion who has tied his arms to a cross and his feet to a cross and putting the spikes down and seeing those beautiful brown eyes looking into his eyes. And as this Roman centurion looks back, I bet you he would later say, I'm just guessing, I've never seen such love. No matter how, how many times I've killed a man, no matter how many executions I've done, I've never seen a man look at me the way that man looked at me. There was love in his eyes despite what I was doing. There was love in his eyes despite the fact that I had slapped him with my open hand. Despite the fact that I had pulled hair from his head and planted a crown of thorns and pushed it on him. Despite the fact that I had cussed and swore and gambled for his clothes. There was something in his eyes. And I'm telling you, it is in a Christian's DNA that when we have the love of God come to us, amen, that for our fellow man, see, we have to live in this world. And listen, the world is going to come to the church. And listen to me, Christian folks. Nobody loves the Lord more than me, and nobody loves the Word of God and order and all of that. But you cannot expect, and I say this to a growing church, you cannot expect somebody who don't know Jesus Christ never met him and they're 20 years old or 25 years old you cannot expect them to walk through the doors and know what the word amen is or the word hallelujah or, or know the etiquette of being in church they don't know it they don't know the decorum so they come in and they talk ways in which Christian folks don't talk they drink things that Christian folk, folks don't I mean they do things but that is the world and that is who Jesus saved us to go reach and let me go further the moment that I think or you think we are a little bit better or higher we're in trouble and have lost the very reason for our existence now I'm not saying that you condone those things I'm not saying that at all I'm saying that it is incumbent upon us as the church upon myself as a pastor to make sure we have discipleship in program and programs in place to help them understand what it is like to become a Christian and to be educated in the Word of God and to walk out of that world and follow Christ on this journey home I cannot expect them to talk theologically to me when they've never even heard of Jonah and the whale. I can't expect them to know how to act and how to dress and how to be and how to be decent and how to control their temper until we've schooled them. Now they need to be exposed to the Spirit. Now he can do more in just a, a few moments than I'll ever do in all my life. They need that. But I'm saying to a growing church that we need to be very aware that some of these young ones, some of these little ones, let me tell you what Jesus said. He was talking about, he was not talking about just babies and, and little children. 
but he was talking about little ones in the faith. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you, here's what the church of God has done. I, 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 I've been raised in it most all my, all my life, with the exception of my first 10 or 15 years, and that was in the assembly of God. Then the dimes were the difference in the two. And we've done a good job of, of winning people to the Lord. And for the most part, we've done a poor job of discipling them. Are you with me? Of discipling them. Uh, of in other words, you got saved. We put a gold star by your name and all that was great. But now what? Where are they at in six months? There is a path that they get saved. They get educated in kingdom work. They learn the Bible. And then they do greater things in the kingdom of God. What I'm saying is people are coming to the church. I'll tell a quick story as you stand with me. I was at a very, very large church a number of years ago. <clears throat> and they were, they were busting at the seams. They were growing, and they still had a lot of... Um, see, there are a lot of people... I had, I, I, I had pastors ask me, said, Man, does everybody go to your church saved? Y'all just, just got a whole bunch of people because, you know, we're known to be sort of a showy church in town is what I've been told. Put on a show every Sunday for everybody. I say come and see Anyways, but nonetheless. But this church, this, they, they were booming. They were busting at seams with new, new growth, new faces, people that didn't know nothing. 12, 13-year-old boy, man, they came and they had all kind of games. They had electronics and they had foosball and, you know, this, that, and the other. And <laughs> Some of the older members were back there. I say older, longer-term members. That had nothing to do with age, but... And one little boy said to the other one, man, this S is tight. Somebody started looking for the pastor. Maybe board members around it. And, and while for you and I, I mean, that sounds comical, and it was funny to me. I laughed at it when I heard it. But for you Christians, we don't, we don't talk like that. You ain't supposed to be talking like that and just going on. And I said... But what the pastor made the statement was this. How do we expect him to talk? He was raised in a drug-infested home, never been to church a day in his life, don't know anything about etiquette or decorum of church. Don't, he's never been taught. So how can we hold him accountable for something that he knows no better? And it is upon the church. We're going to see people from all kinds of walks of life that think it's all right to do this and that and the other, and it is upon us and our staff to make sure that we educate people and that we hold up the Word of God as the standard. I'm going to tell you something. If God sends them to us, I'm going to love on them. I'm not saying that we condone that. Obviously, we don't. We don't, you know, condone that. you got to talk to those situations, but you got to do it in love. So many times we've ran people away. Man, you ain't dressed right to be in here. you got a tattoo on your neck or this and that. The other guy out here, where do we want them to go? Who else can save them? Who else has hope for them? Nobody has hope for them except Jesus Christ. And the world hates them, and they're part of the world. They come and, and you know, the world... They say bad things about the church. You know, I, I've been the object of some of that. They say and they, they get aggravated. But here's the deal. I ain't trying to please the world. I'm trying to please him. 
and they're going to talk negative against us sometimes, and they're going to talk bad. I, I do my dead level best to keep my fingers in subjection on Facebook and Twitter. I, I really do. I struggle with it sometimes, man. I just, blah, 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 blah. Sometimes I have typed things out and had to just hit delete on all of it. But I felt better because I got it off my chest. I never aired it to the world. The devil knew, he knew what I was going to say to him. I had more sense than to just throw it out there. The world's going to hate you. Don't hate them back. The world's going to accuse you. Don't accuse back. The world's going to rail on you. Don't rail on them. Jesus said, we are ambassadors for them. And let me say this. We're saying come out from among them and follow Christ. Don't let them influence you to go back that way. You bring them this way. Let's pray. Father, I pray for my church family right now because we're facing crisis. I know the world hates us, but we have to represent you, Lord. We have to represent your word and what it says. I pray, God, that you would give us the proper words, the proper motive, the proper action to show those people that walk through these doors that we genuinely, we love them with the love of the Lord. That we're not condescending, but we want to reach out and touch them with the love of Christ and we want to educate them with the Word of God. I pray, Lord, that, that I would be like Jesus, that when the world's hurting me, I don't try to hurt back. When the world's trying to push me down, I just look up and say, what would Jesus do? I just look up and say Jesus was hurt. Jesus was ridiculed. Jesus endured all kind of lies and hardship. And yet, and yet, no matter what we have done, you still say, if you'll come to me, if you'll come to me and ask me, I'll forgive you. Now let me, I, I went down this road a moment ago still in a mindset of prayer right now. Jesus said, concerning these little ones, these, these young ones in the Lord, if we offend them, he says, it would be better that a millstone were hanged about our neck and we dropped into the sea. Don't expect uneducated people. Don't expect ignorant people. I'm not saying that in a bad way. Ignorant means I just don't know. I just don't know. I'm ignorant when it comes to being uh, you know, a doctor. I don't know how to work on your heart other than spiritually, and I can't do that. I can tell you who can. But you wouldn't want me in the, in the operating room. I, I, don't, I have no idea. But I don't want the blood of anybody on my hands. We will reap what we sow. The world's going to hate you. How are you going to respond? Let's pray. Father, I ask you to help us. I pray that you help us, Lord. I don't want a millstone hanged about my neck. I don't want to be accountable for, for somehow abusing or misleading or hurting one of your little ones. But Lord, I want to be able to take them by the hand and walk them through. I want to be able to help them, God in the way of true life. God, I want to honor you 
by serving them. I ask you to help us to do it, God, because the world hates us and we know it. Give us the grace and the poise to show the love of God to a hateful world. Amen.